Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Dr. Lori Nadell back with us, a noted author. A couple books include The Five Gifts and Dr. Lori Nadell's Sixth Sense. She has been specializing as a psychotherapist and consultant and has been working on ESP and the acute stress plagued by so many people right now, including anxiety and vivid precognitive dreams. Lori, welcome back. Always good to have you. Hey, George. Thanks for having me back on the show. How's life? Oh, well, it's busy, as you can imagine. It's kind of crazy times. Yeah, it, it really is. And you're still on the East Coast, aren't you? Uh, I'm on the East Coast, yeah. I go back and forth between uh, New York and the uh, lovely, really crazy state of Florida. Absolutely. Well, that's good. And uh, you witness this COVID stuff. It's crazy, isn't it? It's uh, certainly very puzzling, and it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, it it really is, and uh, it's a dif- difficult situation for a lot of people. Uh, you you've looked at this anxiety levels all time high, aren't they? Anxiety levels were at eight point two percent at the end of two thousand nineteen, and at uh, the beginning of twenty twenty one, up to forty two percent, and that's from several different studies. I mean, that's a huge jump. Yeah, it really is. And so, what have you been working on these days? Well, I have uh, two free online support groups for people who have, uh, we call them long haulers. They're people who have long COVID. One is a group for firefighters, um, and it's uh, we're running it through Miami-Dade Fire Rescue Department. Uh, so any firefighter who has long COVID, uh, is trying to work or has had to stop work, uh, is welcome to uh, reach out to me through the website. And the other group is uh, open to the public. It's free on Sunday nights. Uh, it's with the Pulmonary Wellness Foundation. And, you know, to put it very simply, uh, any chronic illness, but especially this one, really plays games with your head. And uh, it's very isolating. And, uh, of course, you read all of the different conflicting stories uh, in the media. And it doesn't matter which media it is. It seems like every day there's another study that contradicts something that yes. you read about a couple of days ago. Confusing. So, um, we just offer support and information. Tell me your thoughts about precognition, ESP. How did you start focusing in on that arena? Well, 30 uh, years ago, my first career was in uh, media and journalism. That's right. And um, interestingly, and I started to notice that a few days before a really big event, um, the newsroom would get really quiet. And, you know, if you've been to a newsroom, you know, the phones are always going and the uh, wire machines are always going and, um you know, you've got satellite feeds coming in from all over the world with uh, all kinds of disasters, you know, plane crashes and wars. And all of a sudden, everything would get really quiet and the phones would stop ringing and somebody would make a joke and uh, like, oh, it's too quiet. The news god is going to strike. And usually within two days, there would be some mega breaking news event that would happen, um, a ma- major disaster or um, some kind of a, of a, a war event or bombing. Uh, I remember it got it got really quiet before a big earthquake in uh, Mexico. Um, it got quiet before a major volcano somewhere, and uh, also two days. I don't know if you remember 
when uh, the uh, there was a suicide bomber at the U.S. Embassy compound in Lebanon. Oh yeah, nineteen eighty-three yep. in Beirut. Yep. Right, Beirut, and it was a few days before the Marines invaded Grenada. It got very quiet. Um, just like I remember, the Thursday before that happened, it happened. I think over the weekend or on a Monday. And uh, so we started to notice that uh, there seemed to be some energy. There seemed to be something um, in the field, if you will, or what, what some people call, what Jung calls the collective unconscious. Something would happen energetically, and it was a signal that there was going to be some big disturbing event. And that got me really curious, and I started doing research for uh, what was my first book, which is uh, Sixth Sense, Unlocking Your Ultimate Mind Power which uh, you and Art Bell have been very kind to uh, have mm-hmm. me on to talk about over the years. And talking about earthquakes, Mexico just had a 7.0 just hit out there. What a disaster. Right. Crazy. But yeah. Princeton University has done research in that area as well, Dean Radin and his group, that uh, had to do with 9-11. And uh, they sensed something was happening before it happened, they can't tell you what, but they could tell you something was going to go. Yes, apparently there was some kind of shift in the Schumann resonance, which is the, we call it the heartbeat of the Earth. I think it's normally 7.8. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't quite remember exactly what it was, but it went up considerably, and uh, you know that, that heartbeat of, of Hertz uh, went into the... Um, the, the wavelength of uh, agitation and disturbance. Um, I don't know if you remember the uh, stories about the woodpecker signal, which was uh, something that the Soviets were uh, reported to be beaming out towards the United States, but it was a, a wavelength that caused uh, agitation. And there, there have been all kinds of stories over the years of kind of electromagnetic uh, combat, if you will, um, in the 1970s and 1980s. So the, the Earth's electromagnetic field, excuse me, changes apparently before a big, uh, a big event, and people start having precognitive dreams, um, sometimes even a year before a major event like 9-11. Well, with Dr. Lori Nadell, her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. You are seeing a lot of precognitive dreams these days tied into some of these events, aren't you? I've been seeing a precognitive, a, a, sorry, precognitive dreams uh, peaking or spiking before uh, going back to before 9/11, um, before uh, last year or two, two years ago, I guess, uh, January of 2020, uh, December 2019, before the pandemic, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, before the uh, the uh, I don't even know what to call the uh, the evacuation in Kabul. Uh, keeping my editorial opinions out of the yeah, description. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was really the, the nightmare of Kabul. People were calling me. I must have had about two dozen calls from people from all over the country saying that uh, they, they had this terrible feeling of dread, that it was similar to 9-11, that they were waking up uh, feeling like something horrible and ominous was about to happen. And um, and I think there's something in the field, um, the... Uh, the collective unconscious is what Jung called it, and uh, I think that we pick up that data uh, sometimes when we sleep. Why can't we, or is it specific enough where some people know exactly what's happening? But I would say mostly these precognitive dreams are events, but they don't know what they are. 
Most of the time, we don't know what they are, but there's a lot of research that shows that uh, I know in, in my own practice, uh, the first precognitive dream about 9-11 happened to a client who lived in, it was reported by someone who lived uh, in lower Manhattan, and she literally dreamed the whole attack uh, from the ground. She, uh, The air was filled with smoke and dust, and people were running uptown, um, and there was noise, and she didn't see the actual attack, but she dreamt the aftermath of the attack. Um, hundreds of people in New York, in New York City, reported dreams to their therapists in the year leading up to uh, 9-11 about planes flying into skyscrapers, about the image of the tarot from uh, the Rider Waite uh, tarot card with people flying out of the tower, people jumping from the tower, flames coming out of the tower, birds, which are often uh, universally seen as kind of birds of prey, as ominous symbols, birds flying into towers, into tall buildings. Um, children in California a few days before 9-11 were building uh, Legos and uh, piles of, of, uh, of blocks and then knocking them down Jeez. with airplanes. So um, we knew wow. collectively. We didn't know what, but we knew. A couple days before 9-11, my first daughter called me and said, Dad, I had the strangest dream. And I said, what happened one day? And she said, I, I'm dreaming that I'm in a big city, like a Chicago or New York, and I'm walking down the street, and I'm walking in a foot of dust and, and debris, and I'm looking up to the sky, and all I could see are snowflakes of dust falling down oh on me. Oh and we didn't know what it was. Right. And, and, uh, and then, then she, a couple days later, 9-11 happens. She calls and wakes me up, says, Dad, you've got to turn on the television. You won't believe what's happening. And I did, and she's still on the phone with me, and she said, that's my dream, because you could see stuff, particles float, you know, after and all the dust and the debris and everything else. She had one. Oh, that's pretty, oh, my God, that's kind of amazing. I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills. A lot of people dreamt about the dust and the smoke and uh, people in the street, crowds. And, um, yeah, and, and whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that we don't dream about exactly what's going to happen in detail and that our conscious mind knows, but the subconscious or the unconscious knows and uh, to the collective unconscious certainly in this country 9-11 was not a surprise um, and also if we go back to you know the imagery of 9-11 we think about um, movies uh, I'm thinking about Japanese horror movies from the 1950s where New York is under attack by some kind of monster or right. you remember the the uh, some of the scenes I'm thinking of the King Kong or the beast from 20,000 fathoms or Gorgo or planes kind of attacking the Empire State Building Godzilla These images have been in our collective uh, psyche for many generations at what point Lori or maybe we never will put this together where the precognitive dream will show you exactly what and where you know, I think that that raises an interesting question that people ask me. Why do some people, you know, why are some people psychic? I know a lot of psychics say that everyone is psychic. And uh, for some people, um, you know, we all have some degree of, of psychic ability. Um, but for some people, or probably most of us, it's kind of like playing chopsticks on the piano. We can all learn how to do it. 
but some people can play uh, Mozart at Carnegie Hall, and there's only one Mozart. So I think there are people who are highly psychic and highly intuitive, but it's a question of degree, and, and I think it may be genetic. So as we evolve, and this is very interesting because I've been talking to people about this a lot. Um, Dr. Jonas Salk, who invented the Salk vaccine, mm-hmm. wrote a book called Intuition, Merging of Reality, the Emer- uh, Anatomy of Reality, the Merging of Intuition and Reason. And he said back in the 1980s that if we do not evolve into a more intuitive, empathic species, we will make ourselves extinct. And when I interviewed the late Dr. Roger Sperry, who won the Nobel Prize for uh, discovering the left and right brains, he said the same thing to me. He said, you know, we will make ourselves extinct as a species if we continue to glorify kind of the left brain um, kind of logical intelligence and arrogance and greed, and if we don't become more intuitive and uh, what we call right-brained and empathic and realize that we're all interconnected until it's wired into our DNA, we run the risk of wiping ourselves out as a species. Why are these precognitive dreams causing anxiety? How come? Well, I think that uh, when people have a sense of dread, um, I I, I go back also to 2012 before Hurricane Sandy, uh, dozens of people uh, six months before that event were uh, reporting to me that they had a sense of impending catastrophe, similar to the summer before 9-11. And I think, you know, right now there, there is, of course, many reasons for collective anxiety. Um, you know, we have instability. We're living in a cycle of turbulence. Uh, we, we have multiple disasters uh, happening at the same time. We have, uh, you know, we have instability. There's war. There's um, certainly the pandemic itself, never mind uh, all of the theories or possibilities about uh, how it started and where it's going. Um, so I think that precognitive dreams feed into that sense of discomfort and, and being troubled by the, um, the magnitude of uncertainty that we're living with. You've heard of Lynn McTaggart. You probably know Lynn. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, she, and we were talking last week about intention. And I asked her a specific question. I said, is the one just as strong as the many when it comes to some kind of intention experiment? And she said, no. She said, the many collectively are bigger and it works better than the one. And and I still have problems understanding that I because I'm wondering if there's that one individual out there who is so good at this, it he he or she far outshines the group. What do you think? Well, I I think it's a really really powerful question. Um, I think that there are you know there there are quote unquote evil geniuses. There are people who are able to tap into you know the the forces if you will or archetypal forces of uh, of uh, destruction, just like there are archetypal forces of love and compassion. And uh, so um, I think that that, that certainly that is quite uh, it is quite understandable that there could be several ones, as you say, out there uh, who have the ability to to kind of create or generate a kind of a, a malignant kind of event like the pandemic or um, or like or, or like a a wave of uh, of uh, a conflict and combat or 
malevolent kind of events, which we're certainly seeing in the news. You're seeing a lot of um, a lot of violence on a scale that, uh, even after 20 years working in newsrooms, I've never seen uh, a wave of such bizarre, violent events as we're seeing right now. And it could be that there is, you know, one or two, or that there are several people who know how to tap into that fury and rage and to generate, um, you know, a cycle, uh, which is what we're set in this case, a cycle of behavior that is very destructive. What is, Laurie, the sixth sense phenomena? Uh, sixth sense, of course, is, uh, well, I shouldn't say of course, but sixth sense is the uh, ability to perceive something spontaneously without the conscious use of reasoning. And when we're specifically talking about the sixth sense, um, I like to think of it as like a satellite dish in the brain that's able to pick up impressions from something unseen, whether we're talking about the collective unconscious or whether we're talking about something telepathic or picking up something that's going on in somebody else's mind or being able to do what remote viewers do, which is to you know pick up on a target uh, on a, in a different geographic location or at another point in time. So I, I think of it as a, a kind of a like a satellite dish and a kind of data collection ability that everybody has, as I said, to one degree or another. Does ESP have anything to do with this, extrasensory perception? I think extrasensory percep- perception is the way uh, we describe uh, people who have the awareness and the the gift, if you will, of um, of, of going into that sixth sense uh, part of the, the mind at will and uh, being able to pick up uh, events or uh, targets of things that haven't happened yet or dream about people uh, who you haven't seen in a long time and then suddenly that person appears in your life um, after you've had a dream. So I think of ESP as the ability to harness the sixth sense, but that's my personal uh, definition of it. Do you find, Laurie, that most successful people in business or life in general have these abilities? Absolutely. You know, George, I've interviewed, and in my book, Sixth Sense, I've interviewed uh, quite a number of uh, very successful business visionaries um, and uh, creative people, Francis Ford Coppola and uh, Ariana Huffington, which mm-hmm. are the people that I interviewed, as well as some very, very successful uh business entrepreneurs in the in the fashion industry and everybody attributed their success to being able to um, trust that hunch or follow that vision and follow that sixth sense and um, actually one of my uh, one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite people actually was an inventor named Jerry Prine in Utah and Jerry had a fourth grade reading level he was very he was dyslexic um, used to have to have people read roadsides to him when he was driving during, uh, you know, the era before GPS. And he would see in his mind's eye the design of surgical instruments and other, you know, technical engineering uh, devices. And he actually used that sixth sense to successfully design some vacuum-based devices that NASA used on the first uh, mission to the moon. And he said that he attributed his success to being able to capture and execute what he saw in his, in his success.
Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.